Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. We are so glad you are joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about our church and how you can get connected, please visit our website at r4sq.org. Now stay tuned for today's message. Enjoy, and God bless. Praise God for a good pastor, right? (laughs) Are y'all doing okay today? Lord is good. Lord is good. So I won't be before you all alone. That's what every minister has said ever. Um, It's not always the case, but I will do my best. So I thank you uh, for such a powerful prayer, Natalie. I want to give honor to... I want to give honor to Pastor Huey for giving me this opportunity. My name is Nathan Wiggins, by the way. Um, I've been here about... Me and my wife, almost two years now. Going on two years, we've been here. Um, God has blessed us tremendously. We have been doing nothing but growing since we've been here. It's like we've been planting in good soil, and the Lord has just been producing in our lives. So I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for Pastor Huey. I'm grateful, I'm grateful for Mama Ruth uh, for what they're doing here. Um, so I give them honor. I honor my wife, uh, who she is. Could I just want to raise your hand? Uh-oh. <laughs> I thank God for her and what she, what she means to me. I, mean, I just thank God. He's good. He's good. He's good. So, let's just jump right into it. Mark chapter five, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days. And it was heard that he had come into, he, he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them. Not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic, paralytic who was carried by four men. When they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And Jesus, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity just to um, listen from you. God, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you decrease me so that you may increase. Father God, everything that, um, that you have promised in your word, help us to see it. Father God, Lord, shine light in dark areas of our lives. Maneuver and move, God, the enemy out of our lives so that we can be who we are called to be. And God, we've been called to be a powerful church arising. So Father God, right now, let faith arise. Father God, let faith arise. Lord God, let faith to rise. God, let Esther's rise up in this place. Let David's rise up in this place. Father God, tear down the strongholds of the enemy and let the Esther's rise and be who they should be. Let the Davids and the Nehemiah's rise up and be who they should be. And God, teach us your word. We thank you. We praise you. We honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So anybody want to try to answer a really hard question? All right, y'all smart. Y'all smart. Y'all, y'all ready for it. I'm confident y'all get the answer. Yeah. All right, here it goes. Can you define love for me? God. Oh, ah. We in church, so you're right, but it's a little bit tougher than that. Love is easy to recognize. However, it's so hard to receive. And it's, it's also, it's hard to receive sometimes as well as difficult to give. Yes. Sacrifice, surrender, hope, selflessness, willing, faithful, 
loyal, kind, gentle, stern, just, and beautiful are just a few words that tell a part of the love story. However, all of these words still only give us a few pieces to the love puzzle. And trying to preach about love, it would be foolish of me to try to encompass all the attributes of love in one message. It's impossible. So what I'm going to do, instead of focusing on every aspect of love, all I'm going to do is I'm going to focus on one aspect. Sound good? So today, we're going to focus on the ruthless nature of love. So I'm going to say ruthless love. Now, at first, it sounds like these two, word, two, these two words don't go together. It's kind of like an oxymoron. And I've got to be honest with you, when me and uh, Aaron Calhoun were working on this, he called me up and said, man, Nathan, I got the title, Ruthless Love. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, let's go. Like, that just sounds deep, man. I was excited. And then I drive home, and I actually look up what ruthless means, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> did you hear right, Aaron? You sure about this? I mean, ruthless literally means without pity or compassion. Merciless. It means that you literally have no pity whatsoever. And we're trying to put that word in front of love. You sure you heard right, Brother Calhoun? And I know my saved friends in the room, we all saying, love is patient, love is kind, it's gentle, it's not easily angry, don't boast, it's not proud, don't all that stuff. It's just like, that's what my Bible tells me. I'm like, you're right, you're right. It, it, it does say all that. So the dilemma is, so we have to figure out, how can, well, the question is, is it possible for love to have no pity and still display godly love? Is it possible for us to have no compassion, but be full of compassion at the same time? What do y'all think? It's kind of hard, but I'm a 90s baby. So in the 90s, there was a TV show, and the name of the show was Family Matters. So in this show, there was a family from Chicago, the Winslows. And it was about five to eight people in the family, depending on the season, because nobody knows what happened to Judy Winslow. <laughs> I still don't know what happened to her. I've been trying to figure out for the longest. We don't know. But they had this family, and one of the family members was a daughter named Laura Winslow. And if you all know Laura, you know Stephen Q. Urkel. Steve absolutely loved him some Laura Winslow. And Laura wanted absolutely nothing to do with him. Episode after episode, he come just lavishing her with love. Go home, Steve. Go home, go home, go home. This happened all the time. One episode was funny in particular her, Steve and Laura were pretending to be, it was a si- class assignment. They had to pretend like they were married. And at the end of it, Laura's just fed up. And she's like, you know what, Steve? We will never, ever date. And then she gives him back this $800 ring he just bought for her. And Steve, brokenhearted, kind of walks away and says, Laura, 
I wish I could do a Steve Urkel voice. I can't. He says, Laura, I know I'm not worthy of you, but I just can't stop loving you. And he said, it's kind of like wanting to touch a star. I know I'll never get it, but I'll just keep trying. And I'm just like, golly. Golly, this went on for eight straight years. Laura put up barrier after barrier after barrier, blockade after blockade. But Steve just kept hanging around. He was persistent and passionate and a whole bunch of other adjectives y'all can think of if y'all watch the show. Steve had a relentless love for Laura. You might even say that he had a ruthless love for Laura. And why would you say that? Because every day, Steve would stand at the door of Laura's heart and just... Didn't matter the obstacle. Didn't matter the wall. Steve had no pity when it came to those walls. He just pushed them aside and kept on knocking. Now, don't get super spiritual on me and be like, well, I know you're not about to compare the love of the father to Stephen Q. Urkel. (laughs) A fictional character, blah, 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 blah. I'm not, I'm not saying all that. But if you rewind the tape of the life of Nathan Wiggins, you can look back and you can see the love of the Father just reaching out and reaching out and reaching out. And what is Nathan doing? Barrier after barrier after barrier after barrier. And it took me far too long to respond. You see, the difference, thank you so much, the difference between Stephen Urkel and God is this. When Steve told Laura that he loved her and she wouldn't reciprocate that love, he hurt because he thought that he lost something. He lost her love. But God is so insanely otherworldly, wholly different than that. When God tells us that he loves us and we don't reciprocate that love towards God, He hurts, but not because he lost something. It's because we've lost something. It's because we've lost something. We lost his love. Stephen Urkel was so ruthless and relentless in his pursuit of Laura because honestly, he thought that his life would be missing something if he didn't have her in it. But God ain't like that. We don't complete him. He is infinite in all his ways and complete in every aspect of the word. You and I don't complete God. I would love to tell you that when you praise and worship, you add it to God. Ah, lying. I wouldn't love to tell you that because it's not true. When you praise and worship God, you don't add nothing to him. You don't make, God is infinite. You can't add more to infinite. You can't do it. There's nothing that we can offer God, and yet for some reason, he gave his only begotten son for you and I. He loves you just for who you are, not what you can do. He loves you for who you are. So in his perfect and pure love, when God sees his children in desperate need of help, he gets up and does something about it. God, does, God sees us harassed and helpless, and he pursues us. But the problem is, however, that even though God is pursuing us, people are ignoring him. 
They would rather choose darkness over light. They'd rather choose hate instead of love and bitterness instead of unforgiveness. This causes God to have to be absolutely ruthless when it comes to his pursuit of us. We look to everything but him, and yet he still calls us. We run after things that have nothing to do with us, and yet he still reaches out to us. We go after things that will only harm us all while he's trying to heal us. We're in a world of hurt without him. And for those of us who are saved, and even for my unsaved friends who are in the room, I'm sure you can even rewind the table of your life and look at those times and see when God was knocking at your heart. And you put up wall after wall after wall after wall. (laughs) But God doesn't care. He didn't allow your addiction to get in the way of him chasing after you. He didn't allow your brokenness to stop him from running after you. And he didn't allow your pride to keep him from calling out to you. God the Father has an absolutely ruthless love for you. It doesn't matter your obstacle. It doesn't matter your deficiency. It doesn't matter the shoulda, coulda, woulda. None of that matters in his eyes. He is ruthless and he is passionate for all of y'all. Did y'all know that? All of y'all. Man, ruthless. It don't matter. He has no pity, no pity, no compassion for the obstacles in y'all's lives. They're stopping him from getting to you. None whatsoever. Your fears don't scare God. Your doubts don't disprove him. They don't. He is ruthlessly attacking One by one, every obstacle that's in your life that's stopping you from knowing him. Now, why is this important? Let's break it down. So number of reasons why this is important. But we have been talking lately about the powerful church arising. Everybody say powerful. Powerful. Powerful church arising. But what does that look like? Well, John 13 and 35 says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. One attribute of the powerful church arising is that we just love a little bit different than the world. Sorry, Lord. We love a lot bit different than the world. The church won't love just when it's, we can't love just when it's convenient. We're known by our inconvenient love, the stuff that gets in the way. Because ruthless love is inconvenient love. It was inconvenient from Jesus to go from heaven to earth. It was inconvenient from Jesus to go from earth to the cross. It was inconvenient. But this is the type of love that we should display day after day after day. So that God may be glorified in our lives and that our brothers and sisters can be healed, redeemed, and set free. So in order to equip us to be a powerful church arising and a church that loves ruthlessly, I will use the remainder of our time together to show us how to first receive the love of God so that we can properly respond to it as well as release it into the world around us. All right? Say, receive. Receive. Respond. Respond. Release. Release. Say, receive. Receive. Respond. Release. Release. Amen. Let's turn to Hosea chapter 1, verse 2. 
Hosea chapter 1, verse 2. When you got it, say, I got it. When you see it on the screen, say, that's a nice screen. <laughs> the book of Hosea is, absolutely, is an absolutely fascinating book. If you've never read it before, it's 14 chapters. The Message Bible makes it nasty. Like, it just breaks it down. It's like, is this real? Like, is this supposed to be in the Bible? I'm like, if you haven't read it, read the book of Hosea. I wish I could go all into it today because it, it, it depicts ruthless love so, so wonderfully. But we're just going to focus on a few instances in this. The book of Hosea is the account of a prophet who marries a prostitute. A prophet who marries a hooker. A prophet who marries a person who has a lot of words that we can't use in church. That's what he does. Hosea 1, 2, and 3 says, When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go marry a promiscuous woman. Have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, the daughter of... mm, And she conceived and bore him a son. The relationship between Hosea and Gomer the harlot symbolized the relationship between God and Israel. Even though God remained faithful to Israel, Israel continued to give itself over and over and over again to promiscuity and other religions. The book of Hosea is filled with indictment after indictment after indictment against the nation of Israel. And as a matter of fact, when you really look at it, Virtually the entire Old Testament, no matter where you go, you see God saving Israel, and they go back to doing something they shouldn't be doing. God will save them, and they will find a way to find an idol. He saves them out of Egypt, and they make an idol to worship it. It's like, this blows my mind. Over and over again, this was their relationship to God, one of promiscuity and other religions. All they did was idol worship and live disobedient lifestyles. They constantly whored themselves out to everything but God and left no room for him. And in spite of all of this, <laughs> he's chasing them. The hound of heaven is chasing them. He's pursuing them. God desired for Israel to know him. Hosea 3.1 Chapter 3, verse 1 says, The Lord said to me, he's talking to Hosea, Go and show your love to your wife again. She left him, y'all. She left him for another dude. I hate to say what do you expect, but though she was loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Go back and love the woman who ain't did nothing good for you. The Lord loves, as the Lord loves the Israelites though they turned to other gods and loved the sacred raisin cakes. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer of a liketh of barley. Mm, should have practiced that more. <laughs> this, so this illustrates two things. First thing it illustrates is that God wants Israel to know him. Point blank simple. He just wants Israel to know him. Second thing this illustrates is that, that there is nothing we can do to earn God's love. 
there's nothing we can do. There is nothing we can physically possibly do to earn his love. His love is totally unmerited. And since it is totally unmerited, all we have to do is receive his love. And what do I mean by this? Well, Israel had done so much evil that it would have literally taken centuries of perfection just to clear the debt. Not even be good, just to clear the debt. Can you imagine being perfect for one day, let alone centuries? If it depended on them, they would have never been in a position to receive God's love. But praise God, his love ain't based on our performance. It ain't based on the cartwheels we can do or how high we can raise our hands or how high we can jump. It doesn't, it's not dependent on that. God calls Israel just as they were, idol worshipers and whoremongers, idol worshipers and prostitutes. He called them and looked at them right where they were. All they really needed to do was receive his love. And it's the same thing today. He's calling us, he's calling you and me and everyone in this room just as we are. You ain't got to clean yourself up. You just come to him as you are. And he is calling us. It doesn't depend on our performance. It has nothing to do with that. Because if it did, life would be hopeless. You can count your sins way more than you can count your good deeds. We wouldn't be able, we wouldn't be able, we wouldn't be able to get up to um, receiving God's love based off our merit. merit. This is why it's truly a blessing in order to receive God's love. But it's interesting because I'm convinced that many people just have trouble receiving love, period. I really think... I, when I was younger, I always thought that it was you have to give love. Like, everybody struggled giving love. Like, why are you so mean? Why are you this, that, and the other? But I really, really believe that it's based off of us being able to receive God's love just as well. So, so for example, for example, um, you come, come, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. So, God bless your sister. When I do that, everybody's like, mm, what just happened? It's just love. All she has to do is receive it. Now, in the back of our minds, we're thinking, well, what is this for? What is this attached to? What is this assigned to? What am I doing? Like, what is like, what are all the other things that are attached to this? When simply put, it's God bless you. And that's it. I got a love offering two weeks ago after I gave my testimony. And I was like, Lord, do I, am I supposed to tear this up? Like, what do I, what do I do with this? I didn't know how to receive it. I had to pray over it. I had to go to the car. I'm like, Lord, I don't even know. I don't even know. And I'm like, but it's because we don't know how to receive love. We've been hurt in the past. People have done us wrong. People have manipulated us in the past and been mean to us and all different types of things. I get it, y'all. But that ain't God. It's not him. You can trust him. It, ain't, it is no holes barred, no strings attached, none of that. God's love is pure. You can trust it. He is faithful. He is able. He is our God. He will supply every need according to his riches and glory. He will push down every wall. He will chase after you. He will hunt you down because his love is ruthless. It is ruthless. It is ruthless. His love has no strings attached. 
All we got to do is receive. That's it. That's all we have to do. Receive his everlasting, infinite love. So since we don't have to work for God's love, all we have to do is receive it. Somebody say receive. receive. The question is now, what is, it, what is it that we do with this love? We just respond to it. So let's turn to Numbers 25 to see how we respond to this love. So Numbers 25, I'm going to be reading from the Message Bible because, again, sometimes the message may not hit it for me, but this, the message reads very, very, very clearly in this, in this, for this particular passage. So Numbers 25, it reads, Now while Israel was camped at Shittim, the men began to have sex with Moabite women. What a surprise. It started when the women invited the men to their sex and religion worship. They ate together and they worshiped their God, not the God of Israel, their God. Israel ended up joining in the worship of the Baal of Peor. God was Furious, His anger blazing out against Israel. God said to Moses, take all the leaders of Israel and kill them by hanging them, leaving them publicly exposed in order to turn God's anger away from Israel. Moses issued orders to the judges of Israel. Each of you must execute the men under your jurisdiction who join in the worship of the Baal of Peor. Just then, while everyone was weeping and in penance at the entrance of of the tent of meeting, an Israelite man flaunting his behavior in front of Moses and the whole assembly paraded a Midianite woman into his family tent. Phineas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saw what he was doing, grabbed a spear, followed him into the tent, and with one thrust, he drove the spear through the two of them, the man of Israel and the woman, right through their private parts. And that stopped the plague from continuing among the people of Israel. But 24,000 people had already died. God spoke to Moses and said, Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, has stopped my anger against the people of Israel. Because he was zealous for my honor as I myself am, I did not kill the people of Israel in my zeal. So tell him that I am making a covenant of peace with him. He and his descendants are joined in a covenant of eternal priesthood because he was zealous for his God and made an atonement for the people of Israel. Now what I want you to take from um, this man Phineas is not so much his actions, but the attitude which inspired the actions. So God's love is ruthless towards us. Therefore, in responding to God's love, we should be ruthless, having a no-nonsense attitude towards sin, specifically the sin in our own lives. Phineas had a hatred for sin. It didn't belong in him. It didn't have any place in his body. It didn't belong in his community, not in the lives of the people next to him. So when he recognized sin for what it was, he immediately dealt with it. He was ruthless. Went, came right into him, killed them both right where they were standing. And we see that God blessed him for doing it. This is the attitude we should have towards sin in our lives. 
Now, either we're going to be a powerful church arising or we won't. Either we're going to be a powerful church arising or we won't. Either we're going to get, jump on the bandwagon or we're going to get off. It's just that simple. And if we're going to be a part of a powerful church rising, then we've got to have a no-nonsense, absolutely ruthless attitude towards sin. Period, point blank, end of story. And this goes from laziness to lethargy to murder to everything. No sin has any chance in me. That's what it should be every single day when I wake up. Romans 12, 9 says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Absolutely hate it with every fiber of your being and cling to what is good. I remember Brother Chris Thomas was talking to me one day. He was talking. He was at his old job at a hotel. Him and uh, one of his... um, for instance, a girl came up to him, and they were talking, they were just kind of reminiscing about their old life. And it's just like, yeah, you know, uh, we did, you know, talking about just different sins and everything, and they both saved. And she's just like, well, you know, reminiscing about all the sins, and they said, well, that was, those were the good old days. And Chris was like, uh-uh. <laughs> no, they weren't. <laughs> if you still look at sin as the good old days... Well, you really ain't looking at sin. I don't know what you look at. That's not, that's the wrong attitude. There was nothing good about sin, period. Colossians 3, 5 says, put to death your members which are of this earth, fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, idolatry. Break up with depression. Break up with fear. I know bitterness gave you an engagement ring, but it's time to call off the wedding. We got to let it go. We got to let it go. Either you hate it, or you're either going to be a powerful church arising, or you're not. Get on the bandwagon, and you got to break up with sin. Call the wedding off today because it's over with. Call it off. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 6 says, Love suffers long, doesn't envy, does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It doesn't seek its own. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil and does not rejoice in iniquity but rejoices in the truth. It doesn't rejoice in iniquity. Iniquity is another word for sin, for wrongness, going against God. It doesn't rejoice in it. If you're still rejoicing in sin, if you make fun of one of your coworkers at work with everybody else, something's wrong. Something's wrong. If you are okay with being angry towards somebody, something's wrong. Something needs to, literally you're out of order. So we've got to hate sin. It has no place. It doesn't belong. But do you, but let's, let's be, do you tolerate sin? Well, let me ask you this. What, what has it done for you lately? Now, ask yourself that. What has sin done for me lately? Was it worth it? Just be honest. Was it worth it? Respond to God's love ruthlessly. Ruthlessly. Respond ruthlessly. Get sin out of your life. Dance it out of your life. Sing it out of your life. Fast it out of your life. Pray it out of your life. Worship it out of your life. Whatever you got to do, get it out of your life. 
Trust that God will be the deliverer he, he claims to be. Stop flirting with, stop dating sin. It's a bad, you're in an abusive relationship and don't even know it. You got to break up today. I, last year, last year I was struggling with laziness. Struggling with, I know I'm weak. I struggle with laziness. Lord, we got to fight it though. So I went in a fast to break the, break the power of laziness off of me. What I did was I wrote these little, wrote little Bible verses on the little index card and I tried to memorize them because the Bible says, the word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And so I'm trying to do everything I can whenever I recognize the sin to get it out because it don't belong. It don't belong. What are you willing to do to get sin out of your life? Phineas was blessed mightily because of his ruthless attitude towards sin. He loved God tenaciously, and he said, I'm not going to put up with this. Are you willing to love God tenaciously? His word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. We've got to respond to the love of God. Amen? So receive it. Respond to it. Now we got to release it. Let's turn to Mark 2. Read verses 1 through 5. I read it again. I read it earlier. But it says, and again he entered Capernaum after some days, and and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. And they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they had let down a bed on which the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. We're talking about receiving God's love and now displaying God's love. First, we respond to it, but now we get to show God's love by releasing his love. And we do this by simply loving our neighbors, whether it's convenient for you or not. Doesn't matter. We don't don't get a say-so in it. When God wakes you up at 3 o'clock in the morning, is it convenient? No. But is somebody life on the line? Yes. We got to pray. So in this final story for us, we see four people trying to get a paralyzed man to Jesus. Now, the Bible doesn't say whether they knew this man or not. They just say they're just trying to get this man to Jesus. These men showed unity, courage, and love, trying to get this man to Jesus. Showed amazing faith. They showed us a way to love on a whole nother level. And Pastor Josh did an amazing job explaining this a few weeks ago. So I need four men. I need four volunteer men. Come on, who, who's with me? Four, four men. Four men. Got one. Got two. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Three and come on. Come on. So we need one, two, three, four. So come this way. Come this way. So we got four men who have decided in themselves. Oh, yeah. Four good-looking men. So. So they have decided, you know what? My brother is in need. Yes. What do they do about it? They take action. Yes. So Alex, you're gonna make you the leader. So it's all good. So <laughs> you all say, you all imagine you got a cart and you're carrying them to Jesus, 
And I don't know what first century Jewish homes look like, so you have to forgive me, ask for some grace. We're going to pretend it's a 21st century home because that's, that's what I know. So we're going to a 21st century home, and we're marching, marching, marching. Y'all are marching, marching, marching. And it's like, we can't get in. So what do we do? Can't get in through the front door, so let's go to the back door. And still can't get into the back door. So Alex say, why don't we try the window? So they go to the window. We can't just shove a paralyzed man into a window. That don't really work. So Alex said, you know what, y'all? Garage. So they go to the garage, and they still can't even get in through the garage. So at this point, they're a bit discouraged. But Alex, being a leader, has a great idea. He just prays and looks up. The roof. The roof. To which everybody else says, how? Alex, hey, don't worry about that. So y'all go somehow, y'all borrow two ladders from some neighbors, and y'all put them on the house, and somehow y'all get this paralyzed man on top of the roof without any one of y'all becoming paralyzed. So y'all made it happen. So Alex, though, unfortunately, Alex, when he got to the roof, he's thinking like, man, it's going to be an attic, it's going to be a crawl space, it's going to be, not crawl space, something up there. And so he get up there, and y'all survey, and it's like, bro, it ain't no attic up here. So Alex, pray again, and he's just like, Lord, help me. Why don't we dig a hole in the roof? <laughs> to which everybody's like, are you trying to get us arrested? And Alex, being bold and full of faith, like, what do you want him healed or not? Yes. And everybody's like, well, when you put it like that, let's just get to digging, man. <laughs> Thank y'all so much. Thank y'all so much. So they're digging, they're digging. I mean, shingles go to flying, drywall's being punched through, insulin is like getting everywhere, y'all itchy, because when insulin gets all over you, it's just all itchy. I mean, they making it happen. They are laboring for their friend. They're going to war for their friend. They are fighting a fight for their friend. They are wrestling for their brother. And I say friend, but I don't even know if they know him. But does it really matter? don't even matter. Ruthless love will have you fight for your neighbor's deliverance. It will have you asking the question, how bad do I want you to be delivered? How bad do I want your freedom? How bad do I want your chains broken up? How bad do I want you to know God for as the one true savior? This kind of love is unfamiliar. It's strange. It's a little bit different. It's kind of inconvenient. It's really out of the way. You get no credit for it here on earth but it really ain't about you anyway. It really don't matter no way. John 15 and 13 says, greater love have no man than this, the one who would lay down his life for a friend. Lay down your time, push back your plate, go to fasting, go to your prayer closet and make war for your brothers and sisters. Your life don't matter no more. And let me, let, let me tell you why your life don't matter no more. Because you in heaven. Yo, your life, literally, when you are a Christian, you are free to fully live because your life can now be poured out. I know where I'm going so I can empty myself out now. When you are truly 
When you know that you know that you know where you going, your life don't mean nothing to you. You ain't got no problem being a martyr every single day, laying your life down for your friends and your loved ones and your neighbors. That is ruthless love. Wall after wall after window after garage after a roof. It don't matter. Has no say so. And my friends, deliver it. None. And there will be obstacles in your friend's way. But do you want to be ruthless? Do you want to be ruthless? Do you want to be a part of a powerful church arising? Do you want to be a part of what God is raising up? Do you want your neighbor's deliverance as bad as you want your own? then release the love of God in your community and watch yeah. him work. Yes. Yes. So what now? We see that God's love is ruthless towards us. Absolutely ruthless towards us. He breaks down wall after wall, barrier after barrier. It don't matter to him. He's bigger than it. He's bigger than it. He's bigger than it. We receive his love. We respond to his love. And then we get to release his love. So in conclusion, I want to give you two tools. Two takeaways. One for responding to God's love. A tool to use to respond to God's love. And another tool that we can use to release the love of God. So the first rule, excuse me, the first tool, the first response that we need to have in having ruthless love is that we need to know that ruthless love requires radical repentance. Ruthless love requires radical repentance. Romans 2, 4 says, Or do you not despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you towards repentance. God, I, I pray today that I was able just to show people that you are madly in love with all of us in this room. You didn't skip over anybody. Madly in love with us. So radical repentance is simply this. It's repentance with action. And in preparing for this sermon, the Lord Reveal some things to me that I needed to repent over. So I confessed them to my wife. There are some people, our neighbors, I'm supposed to be getting out there engaging with people. This is part of my call, part of my mandate. And so I'm supposed to invite my neighbors to, my neighbor to the left and to the right to dinner. And when I see them, y'all, I'm like, I just wanna go home. I'm tired. I didn't wanna be inconvenient for love. So I had to repent. But in order to be radical in my repentance, I told my wife, I said, when we get home, I'm going to knock on their door. It's repentance with action. So if you got unforgiveness that you got a, that you're dealing with, don't leave the parking lot and not have called the person either you need to forgive or you need to ask for forgiveness. If you're struggling with a porn addiction, give your phone to somebody and say, password it up. 
I mean, delete every web browser, like do whatever you got to do. If you're dealing with alcohol, go home now with somebody else and just throw them all away. Because radical repentance requires action. Phineas was ruthless in his dealings with sin. Are you willing to be ruthless? Are you willing to be free is the better question. Do you want to be free? As you repent, I just am confident that God will release healing and peace into your life. And the second response is this, is that in order to release the love of God, ruthless love requires wrestling in prayer for your neighbor. Colossians 4.12 gives us the account of Epaphras who wrestled in prayer for the church in Colossians. Anyone can start a marathon, but only a few people in this church can actually finish the marathon. And I'm not one of them. Anyone can start a prayer. But do you have the willingness to wrestle that prayer through to the throne room? Do you have that tenacity? Do you have the tenacity to wrestle with God all night long and say, I won't let go until you bless my neighbor? I've got two very dear friends of mine on the brink of divorce been praying started last year it's only gotten worse they fight more now they're separated and they even got a Christian counselor who told them that you know sometimes this is not a good fit they got the divorce papers and read it in process and they're about to be signed and I don't care I don't care I have prayed for this family and I've wrestled with God over them and I've tried to get through the door but it wasn't open. I tried to get through the window but it didn't open. I tried to get through the garage but it didn't open. I'm not going to stop though. I'm not stopping until either they have completely divorced. He's in Nova Scotia, Canada and, he's, and she's in Kalamazoo, wherever Michigan, thank you. Or until God himself has released me from them and said, your job here is done. But until that point, I wrestle. Are you willing to wrestle your prayer through to the throne of God? Powerful church arising. I implore you to wrestle for breakthrough. And I implore you to love Ruthlessly. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. We pray you were blessed by today's message. We pray you have a great week.